Hello and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I am Pia Lee. You are indeed, I believe, Pia Lee, that you have a new government in Australia down under. We do. It was a slightly nail-biting. It was a different one, this one. I think all my life, and probably all of yours, we really only have two choices. It's sort of like ice creams. Chocolate, vanilla, you know, and <laughs> and this was really interesting. It was definitely a bit of a we, not me, because there really became a sort of a third entity and there was a real push for these independents who were largely females. They were called the teal independents because of the T-shirts that they wore and they really focused on climate change and anti-corruption, which had been two things that have plagued us. Australia is not the leading force as it should be around climate. And I think this was slowly that the opinion of in true democracy of the people was not being reflected in the views and the, the government. And we've had a pretty divisive time and I think we're a bit fragmented. And what I was, what felt for me a real we, not me, was that the, the, the whole country came together and did vote for change. You know, we still might have a, a leading party in that but i think that i think they made their voice felt in a strong way that that we need to focus on these things more diverse i think as well these these independences of definitely and it brings a different you know we both know you, you you can you look at the us you look at the uk and you look at australia and there's just two major parties with different approaches, but they've been the same for a long time. Whereas this brought a diversity, but brought a choice. And and the population voted for that choice. They voted for many, many independents, the largest number that we'd ever had, to come in and just shake up the system. I mean, like many things got to play out, they've got to deliver. We don't know how it'll work out, but at least we didn't vote for the same which I think would have been really disappointing. Really good. It's so so good to see. And, I, you know, the Brexit referendum here made me realise that if you take a choice of two things to a group, it's going to polarise people and, and it's going to make people positional automatically. And so it's lovely to see this sort of third, you know, it's a, sometimes a false dichotomy as well. So lovely to see this third option coming out and, and um, getting some representation. So it seems much fairer if we have to try to balance the needs of everyone rather than, oh, there's a winner. Great, they can go ahead for four or five years. And I think poor old um, Scott Morrison didn't do himself any favours because the final video of him, which became a bit of an internet sensation, was him playing footy with the, some kids but actually bowling one over and nearly crushing him as he landed. Yeah, that, that didn't go down too well. Everyone wants to see that. I know, exactly, which is what happened to our guests. This is an unbeknownst Indeed. to her. Yeah, let's tee that up. We're going to talk to... A true legend, actually. Yeah, wonderful woman, Jackie Weaver. So, yeah, this was an... I don't think she intended to become an internet sensation, did she? No, she didn't, but it was a lockdown internet sensation I saw yesterday. You know, we were all... We, I think it was came at a perfect time, but while that was happening, obviously a lot of things went on to Zoom, including the meetings of Hansworth Parish Council, and Jackie's job was to coach them and help them to have successful outcomes, and it all went off. So there's a link in the show notes if everyone hasn't seen it yet, but uh, I think what we need to do is go and talk to uh, Jackie Weaver, who says that she's 
the Nanny McPhee of parish councils. She's the fixer. So let's go and uh, hear from her many years of experience of bringing these unusual teams together to get stuff done. Jackie, it's such a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's really lovely to see you. And um, why don't you get us all warmed up and uh, just give us an introduction to your to yourself? Oh, gosh, well, that's, a, that's a tricky question to ask a 63-year-old because there's quite a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> but that's all right. In, we got hours. <laughs> In short, I've been involved with um, with local democracy, our town and parish councils for over 25 years. And um, I like to think doing a pretty good job there in the background, but completely unnoticed by the rest of the world until that video of Handforth Parish Council went viral back in February 2021. And I can honestly say we've not had a quiet day since. <laughs> what did you do before you entered this uh, mysterious world that we're going to be talking about? I say looked after 234 parish councils in Cheshire. They are local government bodies. They range, a huge range in size, going from a tiny council that might have a budget of, oh, let's say £5,000 a year, up to our largest with a budget of £2 million. Um, so everything they do, they need a legal framework for doing it. They need training. They need advice. And occasionally a bit of hostage negotiation and a bit of hand-holding from time to time. And are they voluntary contribution in those councils or, or are people paid to, to be in on those? Good question. And this is part of the problem when we talk about this tier of local government because there isn't a quick answer that immediately covers that off. There's about 100,000 councillors over the whole country working in about 10,000 councils, roughly. Most of them, most of the councillors, will be completely voluntary. Some of them will be paid a councillor allowance, but even then we're probably talking at less than £1,000 a year. So I, I think we can still pretty much say that. It's certainly not a career. However, supporting them in everything they do, they have a minimum of one paid employee. Now, when I say minimum of one, it is one person although that one person may only be working four hours a week. So that's our paid employee. A large council, remember the £2 million one? They will have a team of probably 25 different people paid, you know, providing different services. And a small council, that one with about £5,000 a year, that will probably employ someone for four or six hours a week. Now they get their money through tax, so in their locality, you know, within their, their, their geographic boundary, they raise a council tax that enables them to provide services and things for that geographical community. Excellent. Well, look, that's, that's taken us into your world a little bit. And Jackie, I'm going to take you back out for a second to learn a little bit more about you. And as you know, we have these conversation starter cards, which I'm, <laughs> you can see me shuffling. I'm sure you think I'm going to select a special one for you, but I'm going to be random about it. And here is your card. Oh, dear. The one thing that really annoys me is. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh, honestly, was that really random? <laughs> Actually, there's loads of things that annoy me, you know, but I just kind of swallow hard and move on. People who overtake me and cut in, that annoys me. People who eat with their mouths open, no, no. <laughs> Gas, no, that annoys me. People who do this in restaurants to attract the waiter, 
that annoy you get lots yeah, no. sorry lots yeah. of things annoy me they all sound like sort of under a grouping of sort of rather bad <laughs> english manners really don't they all of well, them yeah i hadn't thought of that but yes i guess that's true yeah so maybe that's it if i was to put it more succinctly i'd say bad manners and i mean we probably couldn't get a better segue i mean we the three of us met shortly after that video uh, of the hamforth P- parish council and and we talked about it then and you've had a, a really incredible year, and we'll come to that sort of like like post that. But let's just talk about that video and that meeting first. Let's start there. Talk us through how you felt and thought going through that experience, because we come across a lot of people within teams who don't feel psychologically safe when they're in a team, you know, because of the dynamics or the way that people behave, it's, they feel uncomfortable. Now, the whole question was whether you had the authority to do things or not, but how did you actually feel and think? That, that's incredible. It, it should be such a simple question to answer, and yet seems like an incredibly difficult one. As you were, as you were asking the question, I, I had loads of things going through my head immediately that I wanted to offer you as an answer. I think the first thing is that there aren't a lot of pluses about getting old. Hair's not what what it used to be. Joints aren't what they used to be. The list is endless, okay? I don't want to turn it into a a doctor who and who. But one of the things that is positive about it is that by the time you reach my age, I hope, you, you have a kind of network of people and things round about you that matter, and things that make you feel safe, cared for, loved, appreciated. And so when you come across someone who isn't giving you that, the impact of it is less. So that what I experienced on that night was people that did not like what I was doing in that moment and did not like Jackie Weaver quote the professional. I I think for me, that is hugely important. Um, because I suspect, in fact, I know, that the Jackie Weaver of 40 years ago would have struggled much more with that sense of they I'm not getting their approval, they don't like me. Do I need to change? You know, how how do I how do I how do I make them like me and approve of what I'm doing? So I, I guess that's kind of one thread that, that's going through my mind. The other is that. I guess I'm very outcome focused. If I can see an end game, I can see an end goal, then I I get tunnel vision. Not always a good thing, not always, but certainly in this instance, it really was a, if you like, a really good protective barrier from everything else that was going on. Because the only, the only goal of that um, session for me was to make the meeting happen and everything else was noise. So for me, Success wasn't everybody being happy. That was not going to happen on that night. But success was making the meeting happen. And all the struggle you see about the, um, you know, stopping the chairman talking, etc., was all about making sure the meeting happened. Because if he'd spoken, he'd have got out something like, I declare this meeting hasn't been lawfully called, therefore I propose that we close it put it to the vote, his two friends would have voted against it, the meeting would be finished. So we had to, st- I had to stop him talking. As simple as that. Didn't matter what anything, doesn't matter what else is going on in here. 
this is the only route that I can see for this moment that will achieve that goal. So I, I guess that, you know, th those two things together are probably the things that I felt were going on most in those few moments. And they were very few moments, although they did actually seem like an awfully long Yes, time. a lot, a lot, and definitely spun out over, over the internet. Jackie, when I was working in the corporate world, there was a sort of running joke, which was, I'm from the regional office, I'm here to help. It strikes me your role is a little bit like that. You're going into a team, into a group, and you're trying to help. And well, how you may not it may not be easy to generalize, but how is that received? You know, what's the spectrum of how that help is received? I, I think a couple of times I've referred to myself as the Nanny McPhee of the parish council. <laughs> <laughs> We're using that <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, seriously, my my job is about going in to help them when they're in trouble. I mean, I often joke, you know, when somebody rings me up and says, oh, I'm awfully sorry, we only seem to ring you when we've got a problem. And I say, yeah, that's what happens. Nobody ever rings me up to say, I just thought I'd let you know how wonderfully everything's going. <laughs> Come and watch. Yeah. yeah. So um, my job is about going into to situations that part of my job, there's also part of it being about development and training and stuff like that. But when I go to a council meeting, it's either because they, they need some specific advice or they need hostage negotiations. And I'm afraid more often than not, and certainly this is something I've found over probably the last 10 years, more often than not, it is about personalities and how they seem to find it impossible to work together. In my introduction, I said that, you know, I've, I've done this job for 25 years. As an organisation, we've grown considerably over that time. And we've grown a lot in reputation. 25 years ago, our budget was something like 7,000 a year. I worked part-time and did everything. Um, and we had about 40% of the councils, of the eligible councils, were in membership. Now, 87% of the councils are in membership. Our budget's 140,000. And we have a, I like to think, an excellent reputation in the county for supporting councils and helping them move forward and develop those relationships that are essential between them and the, the next tiers of, of government that we have in the, the county. So I kind of I kind of already had that is the word kudos. You know, mm. Jackie Weaver is coming. She will sort it out. Ah, <laughs> uh -huh. very good. You know, so it's kind of like that sense of, I guess it's two things. It's what one, a kind of acknowledgement that they have a major problem. That's the first thing. And then saying, and we're reaching out to somebody to help us fix it. But they stay in stage one for an awfully long time before they reach out, unfortunately. Yeah, so you go into quite a, probably some quite hardened situations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what do you notice about teamwork? I mean, that, the, the video was one example of teamwork, but I think you've been always quick to point out that's not the norm. What are you seeing as you look out across the parish councils and how teamwork exists and maybe some of the challenges for them as teams? Yeah, um, I, I think it is changing. I believe it is changing, although you can hear I, I don't, Clearly, I'm not that committed to that, that sentence. I want to, I think it's probably better to say, I want to believe that it's changing. 
When you look at the demographic of most of our councils, and again, anyone that's listened to me wittering on over the last 12 months or more knows that my, my kind of recurrent theme is um, we really do need to in increase diversity. We've certainly got about 40, 60 split with men and women. That's good. We're getting there. But unfortunately, we still have a demographic of much older men and women. And we are making inroads on that, but it's slow. In councils where you see that there is, there is most definitely an older demographic, I'm not sure we see much in the way of teamwork. I, I think we, we see occasional allies <laughs> and a reduction <laughs> in, in hostilities in certain areas. And I don't mean anything like you hand for. You know, I, I'm just talking about the, this kind of low level, not, not terribly well working together. Very much people who are precious of their patch. Um, that territorial thing, and often it is geographically territorial, although sometimes it is territorial over a, an, an allotment or a village hall or something like that. So we're, we're not seeing a we're seeing a bit of collaboration, but I, I'm seeing that as being different from teamwork. But as we see more younger people coming forward, and there are definitely inroads being made into that you see them bring with them that ethos of together we can achieve more. And definitely um, them trying to build teams both within the council and extending that kind of team network out into the wider community. Jackie, could you just drill down a bit on that point you made about the difference between collaboration and teamwork? Because I think people do use all of these words, you know, quite <laughs> liberally to mean the same thing. What what is that? And it sounds like collaboration is really good. What what's missing there if it's just collaboration and not teamwork? For me, and and it may just be the way that I I use the words. It, it's almost like I'm I'm going to suspend my initial hostilities, dislike, concern about you because you're the mechanism by which I can achieve what I'm trying to do. And in none of that have I given any consideration to what you want, only what I want. That seems to me to be the difference. And teamwork in the same thing for me would be if we work together, then we can achieve this and you get this and I get this. And is that a mindset thing? Because, I mean, you may get new, younger blood into the teams, but... They may get trodden down by a, a lower level of expectation. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because I think that I think I'm probably a collaborative worker rather than a team worker. I don't think I'm a team player, to be honest. <laughs> you might challenge me on it. Maybe I'm a, a closet team worker. And I think sometimes it comes from... And I did start with that kind of age comparison. And I certainly, I try incredibly hard not to do this, but it is really difficult. So when new people come in, they come in with what they consider to be new ideas. But it's kind of like, yeah, but didn't you notice that we did that three years ago? We did that seven years ago. The outcome that was this. What I want to know is what's changed that's going to make me feel that I should have some confidence in trying it again. And often what happens with that kind of youthful enthusiasm is that the ideas are there, but it's not then followed up with, and this is why we'll make a difference. And this is why, although you tried it three years ago, it didn't work, it might work this time. And it strikes me when I watched the video, there was a, an absolute lack of curiosity 
across the team. So those that ability to ask questions, to try and understand why, to try and seek what the, the bigger picture is. Instead, it sort of becomes a, a blame game, which is a you know must be quite tricky for somebody entering into a team like that, and and particularly when you've got a community heart. I would have thought that would be a bit discouraging. Yeah, I, I've mediated for them before, right, and given up. <laughs> <laughs> Discretion is a better part of valor. <laughs> Seriously, uh, you know, kind of like about ten o'clock at night, just said, "I'm going home. We are not making any progress." And it was both both parties. It was pick, kind of picking up your point here. Both parties are so clearly invested in their picture, their um, perception of, of where they are and indeed where the other team are, that there is no moving. It's kind of like um, one of those, you know, kind of visioning things where you say, okay, I accept you're here in the blue pool. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's just blue is the first colour that popped in my head. So you're here in the blue pool. So can you imagine that if you stepped out of the blue pool, that the water next to the blue pool might be clear? And they think about it and they go, yeah, I can see that. And if you stepped out of the clear water, can you see that the next pool might be orange? Yeah, I can visualise that. Now, can you see if you were standing in the orange pool that you're so close to the red one that you're almost the same? Yes. So actually you have a lot in common. Yes. And you're thinking, okay, Got something to build on. Yes. And then they say, but we're blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> so, and and, and it's, it is ever thus, isn't it, with relationships, that when they start to break down, they become more positional, not less. You sort of reinforce your position. You see these people in relationships doing this, and they're going further apart. Have you had some success bringing people into the same pool or at least to adjacent pools when they've – being positional, what, and, and if so, what's a, what's an approach to to try to reduce that the impact of that that sort of positional status you find people in? Yeah, and, and actually, it's an incredibly emotional experience, even for the person that's kind of facilitating it. I mean, they talk about light bulb moment, and I think that's probably as good a way to describe. It. I can't think of a better way. Let, let's hope maybe between us we can. But that's, there's that moment where you have, um, you know, like I, I'm also a mediator, qualified mediator. So you, you'll talk to person A and you'll listen to the story. And then you'll talk to person B and you'll listen to their story. And from an outsider's point of view, there are more points of connection than there are points of disconnect. And it's how you bring them back into the room together so they're able to identify each other's, but that they have these points of connect. And that moment, and, and you, can, you can see it as almost a, a a physical thing where one person suddenly sees the other person as a real person, not as a problem in that moment. And it's incredibly powerful, you know, it, 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 you know really emotional um, when it happens. And then, of course, having given them that gift, if you will, then the other person reciprocates because suddenly something has moved. And that thing where they, they just couldn't see each other as individual people, 
they'd moved past seeing each other as people. They were only being seen as issues. And we've, we've moved on from that. And something that has been an entrenched issue for months disappears in an instant. But you, I mean, no amount of those two people sitting down and talking to each other would ever get there. And I think that's the thing that people don't, I don't think people appreciate that no matter how sensitive you feel as you are as a person, um, and you think, I, I'm an empath, everybody gets on with me. I don't know why that person doesn't get on with me, because they clearly have a problem. No matter, you know, that is not going to resolve itself. You too will not resolve it yourself. You need someone to come in from outside to reflect back on what the reality is, because you're not seeing it. It's not just the conversation, it's the quality of that conversation. And that needs, that does require help, doesn't it, in most situations? Yeah, but it's like sometimes people, when they go to see a counsellor, say, well, counsellors are no bloody use at all. They, they, they just listen to you rabbiting on. They've never told me what to do. And it's kind of like, that's, that's interesting, because actually what you haven't appreciated is what you've talked about. That you, you know, it is very much a, a steered conversation. It's not just, okay, I'll have my coffee, just chat to me for an hour, you know, wake me up when you're finished, you know, and I'll go home. <laughs> oh, really? It's not like that. You went to bed Yorkshire there, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> and what, Jackie's been the response from your colleagues across the county? <laughs> I mean, that's such an interesting question. And, and I, it's difficult to answer without sounding incredibly big headed, but. Often people forget that I've been around for a while. Um, I, I didn't kind of appear in this job, never mind the, the media stuff, but I didn't just appear in this job overnight. I have a reputation in Cheshire that I've built up over 25 years, and that's 25 years of working pretty damned hard. I mean, when I first went to my first meetings in as this um, as Chief Officer of Cheshire Association Local Councils, a success would be standing up in a meeting and saying, I'm Jackie Weaver from the Cheshire Association of Local Councils, and I'm here. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else to contribute because the organisation wasn't even known. So 25, uh, 25 years later, a very different organisation that I believe commands respect within uh, within our you know within our pond. But that means that I've been used to being, and that's why it sounds kind of awful, but I can't think of a better way of putting it. I have been a very big fish for a long time. It's a very small pond, don't get me wrong. But that means that people don't see me differently because their experience of me has not changed. I'm still the person that you go to when you have a problem. You'll still manage to get hold of me. You'll still get the same response. So for them, kind of nothing has changed. I mean, the only thing that I do notice every now and then is, is I know that people want to ask me, so what have you been doing this month or this week? You know, so I usually give an opener, you know, so that then they, they can ask me questions about this kind of media personality that we know who's Jackie Weaver. But I feel very much separate to that person. And most of the interactions I have with Cheshire people, when I say that, I mean town and parish councils in Cheshire, are the same, that they, they still speak to Jackie Weaver, the one they've always known. And so therefore they weren't surprised in the way that you responded in that tense situation. Yeah. No, wouldn't be not surprised by that at all. But one of the things that I, I really appreciate as feedback is when sometimes somebody says to me, I was out with so-and-so um, and they said, my God, you're in a parish council in Cheshire. Do you know Jackie Weaver? I'd say, yeah. What's she like? You know, say, just the same as you see on the telly. 
No, and, <laughs> and for me, that's great. It's I, I want that to be their experience. And also, it's something that I feel that the only way I've been able to do what I've done over the last 12 months is by being real. It, it, if I'm constantly having to to do a performance every time somebody interviews me or, you know, whatever, then how on earth do I keep going? And, you know, the other thing is I never watch myself. I don't read what's written. I don't, you know, any of those things because I don't want to, I don't want to be different. I don't want to be reacting to something that somebody says and then try deliberately to make a change to be more like they want me to be. Well, I don't know if you know this, Jackie, if you don't pay attention to these things, but your name is infinitely linked with that of Britney Spears now. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> But I mean, the funny thing about that was, you know, people always say, do you really like Britney Spears? And, and it's just, again, it's a function of my age. I was desperately trying to think of somebody <laughs> who was a pop star, that, that shows my age, pop star, and who was in the media and who was young and fit and attractive. And I couldn't think of anybody more modern than Britney Spears. I, it <laughs> That's all I've got. It, it, it really <laughs> stuck, that's for sure. It stuck. Yeah. Jackie, we are all about here looking at how humans connect to get stuff done together. And I think you have dedicated a quarter of a century to exactly that. What would you leave us with, even if we don't talk about teams, just people, humans, trying to get things done? And your book, yes, of course. We'll plug the book, but what would you leave us with? I think what the book does for me, and, and it kind of uh, does for me, note, is that I, I am a complete failure when it comes to work-life balance. For me, they are the same. My work and my life are totally intermingled, always have been. Family are happy with that. We, you know, It's just how I live. The two things are very much intermingled. And the book conveys that. So some of it will be about how I deal with personal stuff and some of it will be how I deal with work stuff. But I'm not sure there's always much distinction between the two because in many ways I think the kind of ways in which we manage our relationships with the people we live with and care about pretty much should be the way that we are dealing with people that we work with. It's one of those things that I never quite understood, that phrase where, um, you know, two things, and I, I, actually it's one that I pick up in the book. You always hurt the one you love. Really? Okay. And, that uh, you know, you, you can treat the people that you live with like shit because they understand you. And I'm thinking, we, we just got this all wrong. Surely you should give your best side to your family and the people you care about. And if you've got a shit side, you just go at work, <laughs> you know? Or actually just try to be a better person all around. So I, I just don't get that. And that phrase, um, you always hurt the one you love, actually, if you look back at its um, origins, is a, is a song. But it comes from a man trying to explain to a woman why he cheats on her. Yeah, that's a real model, isn't it? It is. And the second line is the ones you shouldn't hurt at all, I think. Yeah. So, which is a bit close to the truth, isn't it? <laughs> One of the things I keep trying to get across to people is that a parish council, this entity of, of local government called the town or parish council, is a tool. It, it's a mechanism for achieving something. It's not an end in itself. So that if your ambition is to parish councillor, then I don't think you're the right person for us. If your ambition 
is to do something within the community to change what's happening in your community, to provide a play area that's not already there, to improve the footpath between the school and the church, any of these things. And the mechanism by which you're going to do it is the parish council. Great, I am completely behind you. And I think that one of the things people forget is that we, when we have communities, I think we all know of what I would call the usual suspects. So many communities have a group of people that work, and I hate that phrase when you say people work tirelessly. What on earth is that about? Where are these people who can work tirelessly? If they're working tirelessly, they're not putting enough effort into it. Work harder, get tired, and then come back and do it again. You, know, you can't work tirelessly. Um, <laughs> of course it is. But you think it, it'll be in your mind all the time that every time somebody says, oh, we work tirelessly yeah, on that. Well, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> if you're not getting tired when you're doing something, you're not putting enough into it. So you have this group of people who work tirelessly on behalf of your community. They're always the ones that are baking the cakes. They're always the one that turns out for the event, etc. And my view is that a town or parish council is something that allows people to come together collectively and support the usual suspects rather than just allowing them to burn out. So when I was young, with a small family, you know, the, the way kind of people got involved in doing stuff was baking a bleeding cake. There's a reason God invented Marks and Spencers and Tesco and Waitrose <laughs> and Lidl. It's for people who don't want to bake cakes. So Life is not life is too short to go out there and bake cakes and sell them to somebody who can't be asked to bake a cake. So I'm looking for something. I, I want to contribute to this community. I want to do something, but please, God, don't ask me to bake a cake. <laughs> and council tax means that everybody can contribute to the team in a way. So if you're someone who has the energy and enthusiasm to stand as a councillor, then you will be giving that. That's what you give. And if you're someone like me who doesn't really enjoy that, that kind of community aspect, then you give money. And that way the whole community is giving something. And maybe that in turn tells us something about a team, that a team for me isn't about X number of people coming together and giving the same thing. It's about people giving what they are able to give to the best of their ability. So in any team, there will be some people who look like they are working harder than others. But just because you look like you're working hard doesn't mean your contribution is better than anybody else's. It's a beautiful way to put it, I think. And again, it's about we can make judgments and assumptions. And I think that part of the reason why your video was such a viral success is that many people can see themselves in you. They may be thinking, oh, God, I wouldn't know what to say. But there's just an authenticity about you and about the situation that applies to any team anywhere. We've all had tiffs. We've all had difficult situations. And we all wish that we could knock someone out of the Zoom. But I think people related to these values and these ways and just down-to-earth practical examples. So... A huge thanks, I think, for sharing that with us because I think that's a it's a really important a really important part, and I think I think we've had a fantastic conversation, gained a lot from it. So thank you. 
My pleasure. I, I just on that particular point, it, it's often people. I, I have the gift of the gab. I guess point me in the right direction to speak words will come out they're there and people often say but I couldn't think of the words that, that you said and things you've done when, when I'm thinking about what I'm going to say a presentation or something like that there's nothing in my head and I think what on earth am I going to talk about and sometimes if I catch myself on an interview or something I think actually that that sounded okay <laughs> and I'm surprised that it did but My point of saying it really is that I don't think you know what you're capable of until it happens to you. So when you're thinking forward about it, oh, no, I could never do that. I would say, stop saying that because keep saying it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Actually, you don't know what you would do until you're in that situation. I'll give you an even better example, which has nothing to do with words. I hate it when people bleed. I can't watch any of those programs with operations or anything like that. Red coming out of people is a total no-no for me. Um, So I would say I would run a mile rather than see it. Until your son cuts himself on a tin. And what do you do? Now, you ask any mother what they would do, and of course they would deal with it. And I think it's that kind of situation. So you don't know how you're going to react until you're in that situation. And I bet you will do much better if you watched it on playback than you ever thought you would. One of those later points that Jackie made there was around her mediation capability and and experience. And it really reminded me of what we talked about at the top of the show, which was around the divisiveness that all that our countries have seen over recent years and how she said that when you've got two people who disagree, as we saw at Handsworth Parish Council, just them talking to each other isn't going to solve it, that they need a more structured approach because they get stuck in self in their own positions, not looking at the sort of higher intent and particularly not looking at how much ground they actually share. I thought that was really uh, a very timely thing to consider when we're being tempted into division. That's the amygdala speaking. You're not able to have that rational cognitive perception and to see the bigger picture. It's, it becomes win-lose, win-lose, and, it, and that's just going to be a death spiral for the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, we've got to be aware that newspapers and social media sell themselves on uh, by talking to our limbic brains, don't they? The emotional end of town. We've got to be really aware of that. And I, d- I was really intrigued to understand what was going through her as an individual, as a person, d- during that joust, because she did. She looked extremely calm, but you know we can all be swans, and there's a bit, bit more going on below the surface than we like to admit. And I thought a commentary about you know 30 years ago she wouldn't have been able to do that. So she had, she was extremely experienced, and at a point in life that she was totally focused on the purpose and the goal of what she was trying to achieve. And and that was really important to her. And that's what kept her, I think, like a sort of steady focus. And even though the gentlemen that were on the call tried to sway her off, then that's what enabled her to be really strong and really courageous. 
in that environment. I think that's heartening for all of us that experience does bring some abilities and calmness down the line. But I think to reinforce that, I, I think I could share with our listeners that we, in the sort of green room, when we're chatting with Jackie before the recording, and it didn't come out in the interview, but we, it, we were discussing that moment where she became an internet, so it went viral. She actually had a choice then of just keeping her head down or embracing it. And, you know, she's now written a book. She's doing interviews all the time. She's speaking at local government associations. So she's embraced it. But she said, I couldn't not do that because I've dedicated so much of my time to improving councils and helping people to respect those groups that this is a chance to actually make a difference. So it's incredibly purpose aligned. It, it was not for herself, but for for the cause, actually, for this sense of purpose that she not just went along with it, but hardly sort of rode that wave, if you like, and made the most of the opportunity. Quite, quite really impressive. And with that has raised an awareness about parish councils that, I'd, quite frankly, I don't think anyone really knew what, what the, it might have If you've ever watched Vicar of Dibley, that was probably about your only experience of seeing a parish council. So it has raised it and she's used it as a way of of really appealing to younger people to come on and be part of the community, which is a very we, not me approach. She's trying, which is, you know, slowly starting to happen. She's a real champion of the cause and used a very unfortunate meeting, which I think all of us can see parts of that in the meetings we have, but used it for a greater good to really actually help people think, well, okay. How can we get ourselves through it in a difficult situation, but also about the, the community and the importance of parish councils? And if it can lead to some more diversity in those councils, some more younger people and all the other dimensions of, of uh, diversity, I think that can only be good. A little bit like is happening to Australia, just to tie that bow off a little bit uh, from the top of the show. So that's great. That's Jackie Weaver. Wonderful to have her on the show. And uh, next week, we, we're taking a complete change, actually. We have a, um, we're looking at climbing teams. We're going to be meeting Chris Ensel and uh, these, these mostly teams of two, but obviously they rely on them on each other wholly. So it'd be very interesting to get inside that little team attached to each other on a rope to understand exactly what that looks like. So Chris will be great on that topic. He's a, a qualified guide, hugely experienced and all around good egg. So can't wait to talk to him. I feel quite terrified just at the thought of being on the side of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the side of a mountain with Chris and you feel perfectly safe. So um, I hope we're in good hands. We're in good hands. But that is it for this episode. You can find show notes and resources at squadify.net. Just click on the We Not Me podcast link. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share the love and recommend it to your friends. And please do take a moment to go onto your favorite podcast platform to give us a good rating. You can also contribute to the show by leaving us a voice note with a question or a comment or a challenge. Just find the link in the show notes. We Not Me is produced by Mark Stedman of Origin. Thank you so much for listening. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.